Welcome everyone to the weekly spotlight from Diversity and Apps. My name is Kabir Seth. And I'm Amy Kraft. And if this is your first time joining us, Diversity and Apps is a grassroots coalition. We're made up of researchers and producers, parents, and educators. And our mission is to raise awareness and engage in research about the need for inclusive, equitable, and diverse children's media. And this podcast is one of the ways we do that. Um, Every week, we send out a weekly newsletter on Sunday, and this podcast goes up on the same day, and we reference a couple articles from that newsletter, hopefully encouraging you to read the whole thing and also share it with like-minded individuals. We also bring on folks from the uh, children's media industry, whether they're researchers or reviewers or writers or producers. Um, to talk about diversity in children's media, what they're doing about it, how they feel about it, reflecting on whatever media that um, has come out during um, during the week or during the month um, that that talks about diversity. So this week we have our guest Polly Conway. She's going to be coming on in a in a little while to talk about um, Elena or Elena. How do we say it, Amy? We're, we're not sure yet um, of Avalon. Um, which is a new Disney, uh, a new Disney show. So we're excited to uh, to have her on in a little bit. But first, we're going to talk about this great article that Amy found called "We Don't Only Need More Diverse Books; We Need More Diverse Books Like the Snowy Day" by Ruman Alam. That was in Slate um, this week, and it'll be in our newsletter as well this week. So, um, Amy, what did you think of of this piece? Well, Snowy Day is one of my all-time favorite books, and yeah. my kids love it, too. Do your kids read it? I, I have not. I actually have just... I opened it up on Amazon. I need to uh, to order it. It's pretty cheap. Okay, yes. Yeah. You need to prime it today and, yes. <laughs> and get it for your kids. Yes. Um, you know, the article touches on, I think, what's so great about it. Um, you know, one, I've got city kids, so it's great to see a snowy day <laughs> in an urban landscape, right. which is not thing you see or like I read it that way Um, but you know the protagonist is an African-American boy and it it has nothing to do with Mm -hmm. him being African-American it's just a boy having fun in the snow which while published in the 60s remains somehow revolutionary today which is unfortunate that you know here we are all these years later yeah yeah, I th- I think um, like you said, I mean the the story is about a kid who plays out in the snow, you know, comes home, takes a bath, and and sort of like, you know, it's mundane. Like that is is a is a typical snow day, right? But um, that's sort of like what makes great children's literature. The author uses this phrase that um, you know they capture the magic in the mundane as the best books for children do. And um, like you said, the there is you know it the protagonist is a black boy but you know that is not the point of the story that's not what they what they talk about um what did you think he he's uh the author um talks about how there's there are plenty of books that are sort of written about the struggle or sort of um civil rights etc that um but we need more more books like this i guess i'd never thought about it in in that sort of lens I've actually often thought about this because, as you know, I was a kids' media blogger for mm-hmm. many years. And I have to say, you know, come January, people would start sending me books 
in preparation for Black History Month right. about like here's this biography, this biography, this tells the story of slavery, this tells the story. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's so pigeonholed into yeah. the history and the fact that you know here I am getting these books, getting ready so we can parade them out right. throughout the month of February. Whereas like all year round, I just wasn't seeing the other books. Yeah. You know, I, I think that that would be amazing because it is about Black History Month, so you want some history in there. You really want to understand it. But having that be really like the primary representation of African American culture was so unfortunate. And like right. you're saying, like where are the books that are just the mundane? I actually pulled yeah. a book off my shelf. We have a book called What's Up Bear. Uh-huh. It's just a book about opposites. You know, yeah. just super cute. But it's a oh, super adorable African-American girl and her bear going on an adventure in the big right. city. It's written by Frida Wyszynski and illustrated by Sean Moore. And it's nice. just delightful but that's what i mean it's like so now here we have this book of opposites that features this um girl of color and i love having stuff like that on my kids bookshelf right right yeah i i totally agree i also thought um it was interesting like i i think if the focus like you're saying these books on biographies or sort of the civil rights movement or whatever it is talking about history and the struggle it creates a burden sort of on the child right like or like where, you know, the author talks about how they just need to be, when they're reading a book, they, you know, just want to have a quiet moment, a relaxed, quiet moment where they're reading not to learn, but to feel safe and feel mm-hmm. love, laugh and wonder. And like, that's what a book is about. And they, and like you were talking about how they're talking about history or sort of like the present, um, the present, whatever discrimination that's faced is sort of like, that's not where children normally operate right like they Mm. operate in this world of imagination and wonder and sort of i think they talk about and obviously you can um talk to this more is in snowy day right there's sort of like a lot there's a blending of what's real and not real right like Mm. the kid is doing a lot of um imagination yeah i mean you talked right before this call about your son coming in having found a stick and you know in the story peter finds a stick and start making making tracks in the snow it's so universal yeah. That, like, you know, every kid, that's what you play, the imaginative play in the snow. It's right. so delightful. Right, right. I agree. I think as someone who, who fancies themselves an amateur writer I and and wants to bring these characters um, in or, like, bring pieces of the culture in, I do sort of, I don't want to write them as talk like this is their angle or sort of like this is their dimension the culture that they come from yes that like feeds who they become but like they operate in this world of doing mundane things and they you know whatever it is i think there's like you're saying there's these universal themes that kids play on and they talk about how they love their parents and they refuse to eat dinner and they obsess about trucks like that's what all kids do and right. telling that story even if your protagonist is is someone who's uh, who's not white i think is is really effective well um, i think yeah that's the thing it's like the idea of the every kid like this this protagonist is our avatar for childhood you know and any kids so just have that every kid always be white or mm-hmm. always be a boy you know that stuff makes a lasting impact. Yeah, yeah. I read a piece this week about um, Constance Wu, who is on the show um, Fresh Off the Boat, mm-hmm. and she has been a big um, proponent of 
um, of sort of diversity in uh, in television on on you know sitcoms etc and she talked about this that um, it shouldn't be a, a case like you should be able to imagine and you know she was speaking specifically about Asian imagine an Asian American playing a lead role a protagonist role and it's a bit different than like a you know a kid going through a mundane day but it's the same sort of concept you know there's an overlap of like you can imagine someone who doesn't who who isn't white playing um a, a lead role so um i really love this article um you know the the like she has a piece about it's a book that reflects the essential quality quality of childhood itself and i think like that's the best children's books right where the the kids sort of sitting next to you and and can go through the um the imagination and the wonder um as as you read it so yeah it's um, also important i think to think about that book like in terms of history and it coming out in the 60s yeah that's a good point a couple years ago at the jewish museum there was Mm -hmm. this amazing exhibit it was called the snowy day and the art of ezra jack keats and walking through that exhibit you just understand how revolutionary this was you know just sort of like how it showed a lot of like his sketchbooks um Mm -hmm. and growing up in new york and being in poverty but sketching the characters who he saw um and just walking through that and then arriving at whistle for willie or uh the snowy day these books that he made for children and to have that experience that was like so unique to his point of view become like the every child experience right right it was a really fabulous exhibit that's awesome yeah um did you want to t- touch on the other um, piece that we saw that we read this week about um, the interview with Jacqueline Woodson? Yeah, so The Root had a great article with Jacqueline Woodson. She is uh, the author of Brown Girl Dreaming. Mm-hmm. She's won the Coretta Scott King Book Award, uh, the National Book Award, tons of awards, great writer. And, you know, she's um, kind of talking about the flip side of that coin where she has made a career like Brown Girl Dreaming as a memoir. Um, you know, and writing about things like the Great Migration and her experience, you know, uniquely situated as an African-American. And I think it's interesting to see success both ways. But in some ways it makes me think like she's writing about like sort of an every experience for African-Americans. You know, it's a little bit different than just writing about like history and historical figures. Yeah, that's true. Um, That's a good point. I, I do... Um, I think that this wasn't like a polar opposite of the the first piece, but it it you know she directly is asked sort of like you write about the Great Migration, you write about Jim Crow, etc. And she was sort of like, yeah, that's part of um, that's part of my experience or sort of my parents' experience. And so, um, like you're saying that that is it's not necessarily Black history, but it's a part of a um, a Black person's experience that needs to be written about. So. Right. Um, It all makes me think about, like, as we think about the dig toolkit that we're making with diversity and apps, it's so great. You've hired African-American writers. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you let them write about? You know, is it, because I think in a lot of cases, like, as people are hired to, like, we're hiring diversity, I'm making air quotes again, Um, (laughs) (laughs) just just to be clear. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Everyone got that. <laughs> okay, exactly. Um, are you 
you know, sort of pigeonholing people, and pigeonholing is the wrong word because there's such value in the books about history and experience of people of color, but to also allow people to transcend that to write about just amazing stories that happen to characters. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like the idea of sort of universal themes and sort of um, not to bring it back to Harry Potter, but sort of like... um, the uproar when the actress playing um, Hermione in The Cursed Child mm-hmm. being black was sort of like, it was just outrageous and like, you know, there was this big uproar about it, but it was sort of like the themes that she's talking about are about friendship and love and sort of like the underdog and persistence and like, those are not themes that, you know, don't work because you know, of it, it doesn't have anything to do with what the character looks like. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, like you're saying, the I think mundane and universal sound like two different things, but like that, it, when you go back to children's books, that the those things are so exciting for a kid, right? Like right now my son is outside like looking at ducks. He's like super excited to look at the ducks that are at the reservoir. And like, you know, that is like a mundane thing, but you could write an entire story about it, right? Because there's probably some level of wonder that the imagination that um, that goes along with it and mm-hmm. what he's imagining. So, um, yeah, there's an article that we'll be touching on later with Polly, but in it, um, a family therapist points to media and how kids look to media mm-hmm. and asking questions like, "Who values me? What is my value?" Right. And so if you never see yourself, it's sort of like who values you? No one. You know, like you mm-hmm. you don't have the value, but like if you get to see yourself often and like like what do they value about yeah. you? The more types of stories you can be represented in increases the perception of your value in our culture. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think um that yeah, it made me think of when we were talking to uh, Brianna Presley from the Cooney Center, um, and she was talking about research she did with with children. Sort of, um, you know, she said as she was as she was asking them questions, they had watched some video and sort of um, she was going through the questions. She asked them, you know, did you did you see people that look like you? And it sort of like dawned on the kid almost and she was, and they were like, no. And Brianna would always say that she always felt a little sad when she asked that. And then the kid realized it, but it, it's probably a case where like, okay, maybe they weren't thinking about it, you know, directly until Brianna asked, but over time, right. If they stop, if they just don't see themselves reflected in the books they read or the, the, um, the movies they watch, the TVs, the, the TV that they, they watch, then yeah, that starts to that is sort of how they start thinking um society views them. So um yeah, just to to reiterate your point, Amy, I think <laughs> that's what it's it's it made me think of that that research. So Yeah, um, and there's that research where like kids are presented with two baby dolls, mm-hmm. one black, one white, and sort yeah. of like which is the good doll? You yeah. know, and like even the the black kids point to the white the doll. White doll. Yeah. The, which is yeah. the most heartbreaking thing yes, I think I've ever depressing. seen. Um, we will make sure we include the video to that in the show notes because I think, um, and the other book that you that you mentioned um, by, I just wrote down Frida, but I will yeah. get it from you for <laughs> sure. Um, What's Up Bear by Frida Wyshynski. Yeah, yeah, What's Up Bear. Um, yeah, this, uh, 
this piece was really good. I'm excited for for everybody to uh, to read it. And coming up, and my goodness, if you haven't read Snowy Day, go read. Yes, Snowy I know. I I do feel terrible. <laughs> I haven't read it. I consider myself a pretty good um, reader of children's books. So, um, oh, and grab whistle for Willie while you're getting Snowy Day. I should. I was actually going to see if they had this. It. <laughs> like you know, people who read this have also read this. Um, yep. Yeah. So I will definitely do that. But coming up, we have a interview with Polly Conway from Common Sense Media. So stay tuned for that. All right, folks, as promised last week, we have a great guest this week. Um, Polly Conway is here. She is the Common Sense Media TV editor. Polly, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. And Polly, it says in your bio that you are a big fan of lowbrow humor, including Dumb and Dumber, as, as am I. That's great to hear. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's, no, that's, uh, it, Dumb and Dumber is one of my favorite. Not the sequel, but, but the, uh, no. the original is, is fantastic. I still, still use the lines, um, even my kids who don't get it at all. But, um, but definitely thank you so much for coming on. We, um, we wanted to talk to you just generally about the, uh, the TV landscape, um, the kids' TV landscape specifically. Um, Elena of Avalar which is the newest princess from from Disney's um, and the first ever Latina princess. And you have had an opportunity to to see a couple episodes of this, correct? Yes, that's right. And uh, and what what did you think of it? I really enjoyed it. I think that as far as entertainment goes, Disney definitely gets that right. It's a it's a great show that's entertaining and enjoyable for both kids and parents and I think that that's tricky to do um, right. so I I really liked it and from a diversity standpoint it's you know it also has a lot going on for it so sure. that's how that's how sure. I feel about it for now <laughs> and uh, I don't how many how many episodes have they have they made so far that did they create the entire season um, I've seen three episodes. Um, I'm not 100% sure um, if they have everything completed at this point. Um, right. I'm assuming that they do because of the animation. Um, right, right. Um, can you can you set the stage a little bit? Like, what are there sort of um, common themes? I know you've only seen a couple episodes, but do you sort of see it, common themes and sort of how does the the cultural and diversity sort of play play into it? Um, yeah, definitely. I, I can talk a little bit about the background of what the show is about. Sure. Um, it's about a princess, um, Elena of Avalor, and she's 16 years old. Um, she recently became freed from a magic spell that trapped her in an amulet um, wow. along with her family. Um, and so the crux of the plot is when she will switch from becoming a princess to a queen, um, because she still has a lot to learn about life. Um, and... The show basically is about leadership and learning who you are and when you need help. Um, and I see. Yeah, some of the socio-emotional um, issues that it that it deals with. Um, yeah. Okay. From what I've seen in the trailer, too, it seems like she's got some action to her. I saw some sword fighting, which was promising. <laughs> yeah, definitely. She is, you know, she's flying around on tigers and taking action. And I think that diversity aside, she is uh, a really powerful female princess, um, even though she is a princess. Um, so that's exciting to see. Yeah, that is. Uh, that's great. So is... Uh... 
You said her entire family. So does she have siblings then that she interacts with? She has a little sister and she also lives with her grandparents. I see. Okay. And um, the, you know, from what I've read, the the kingdom itself is sort of um, brings in pieces of the um, Latina, the Latin culture into it. Is that accurate it does it's it's based on pre-colonial latin cultures okay. and architecture okay. um to me it looks very spanish um oh. but i i think that when you look at the world that they've created you know that it is not your usual uh medieval castle it's sure. it's different the the flowers are different the mm-hmm. landscape is different um so it's definitely something that they worked on and it's also very beautifully animated um that was a surprise to me oh nice nice yeah it's more like a movie than a tv show and i just read that that's what they tried to do okay and um if if we sort of take a step back in terms of the the tv landscape generally um have you know there's been a lot of talk about diversity in television diversity in movies etc um i'm sure the the big one that comes up um, often when they talk about diversity in, in children's media is Doc McStuffins, um, which yeah. went through um, some some challenge of, of getting renewed. What, when you sort of think about diversity in, tele, um, in television, not just in sort of the race lens, but just generally, are there some maybe diamonds in the rough that maybe people don't know about that um, that they should definitely check out? Sorry to put you on the spot there, but Okay. <laughs> I mean, Doc McStuffin is such a great example, and sure. I certainly hope that they renew it for the next season. Um, right. A show that's for older kids, but that I also really like, is uh, Korra and uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, okay. Those and... two shows kind of go in conjunction. They deal more with the Asian-inspired culture, but yeah. the way that they show mythology and history is really exciting and it's also just a really fun show are those uh are those nick shows or those are nick Nick shows those are nickelodeon shows okay all right and is uh are they making new episodes or is that like a is it sadly no um one of the things i did want to talk about is the fact that even though there aren't a ton of great options that are currently on because of the new streaming landscape it's possible to you know, grab on to these older sure. shows and right. and use them until we get better examples right now. Um, right, right. And in fact, that's exactly how my kids discovered Avatar. You know, it was on Netflix, I think. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's that's interesting. So, um, I I don't know how long you've been you've been sort of looking at the at the television landscape. Do you feel like the the needle is definitely moving? I, I think the piece that um that we we looked at there was some discussion about how executives are still sort of weary of of um using a protagonist that maybe is not white do you feel like the landscape is changing and the the conversation is is moving forward i do um i feel and i'm sure a lot of other people feel this way that it's not moving as fast as it could um but something new that disney announced just today um is that they one of their next live action shows is going to have an Asian lead and a complete Asian family, which oh, is wow. really exciting. Yeah. Um, awesome. So I think that while the steps seem tiny, that they are, people are trying 
and I know that in the development level, a lot more people are trying to, um, like in the article um, that we read um, with the mom and her daughter who want to make a show about a young black girl who is dealing with feeling, you know, not great about her body or her looks. Um, People are are trying. And I think that that once they see that the audiences are excited about these things, hopefully Mm -hmm. people in higher up positions will be more accepting of diversity. And on that point, um, the Elena Vavilor premiere was the number one watched uh, kids and adults program in that time slot. So people like it and that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I I think we talk a lot about how, um, you know, diversity is important. I I think I've said this a thousand times, but like on the podcast is diversity is important because it's the right thing to do, but it's clearly the, the benefits for the bottom line, the benefits like something like you're saying, the ratings um, are also clear, Um, you know, more diverse casts, whether it's in a movie or in a television show, win, they win the box office, they win ratings, et cetera. So um, that, that's fantastic news. Um, when <clears throat> I, I think the other point that you're making is right. These are these are tiny steps, but these companies need to be um, applauded for for what they're doing. Um, you know, when when they do it, so they continue to take risks. Would you agree with that? I do agree. Um, I think that you know there can be the desire to instead of applauding, you know look and find the things that aren't being done correctly and there's certainly a place for that but i think that disney is is a front runner and what what they do other people want to do um Mm -hmm. so i think that they they definitely deserve applause for taking this chance which is a chance for them um i think it's going to be they're going to be happy about it and the audiences are going to be extremely happy and hopefully it'll cause sort of a domino effect that there will be more and more and more and it won't be a huge deal anymore. For sure. We saw in Disney's preparation for this show that they like brought on, you know, a team of people to speak to uh, Latina culture um, and things like that. Are you seeing other companies do that as well? I know that companies uh, often use educational consultants um, mm-hmm. to make sure that the social emotional learning is correct and that people are dealing with. Um, character strengths and emotions. Um, I'm not completely sure. I'd, I haven't heard of other consultants, but I'd like to think that there are. Um, For sure. Yeah. No, I, I think, um, Amy, that sort of goes back right to the to the dig toolkit, right? Of sort mm-hmm. of, um, you know, hire when you're hiring um, the people that that you bring on, but then also just sort of having a um, a set of experts or, or a set of advisors that you sort of go to um, to make sure what you're creating um, is is what you want. So, um, yeah, I, I certainly I, I think you touched on it, Polly, that, um, you know, when a leader like Disney sort of does something and, you know, people are quick to follow. So when they go out and, and do something diverse, they um, other smaller companies or even their competitors will will also take that risk, which is which is good to hear. Um, if you were sort of a benevolent dictator and you got to create your show of sort of, you know, I know you're a kid at heart, so like what 
what <laughs> show would you want to make, whether it was animated or, or live action? I know I love shows with... I love live action kids shows. I think there aren't enough great ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's always fun to watch a ragtag crew of kids, you know, get up to adventures. I, I know that doesn't sound super unique, but I think when it's <laughs> done well, um, sure. it can be fantastic. What, um, what um, comes to mind when you think of sort of TV of, of, you know, whatever the past 20 years, like what, what, um, when you think of great live action kids shows, what come to mind? As you mentioned, there aren't a lot, but what comes to mind? I really love androids. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I, I'm not sure if you've seen that it's on Amazon prime. No, I um, and it's about yeah. a girl who is a tinkerer and she builds robots and there's, oh yeah, kids. Amy, I think you told me about yeah. this, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is cool. All right. And it's That's just a, a group fun of girls. One. Um, what else? Amazon Prime is doing great, actually. Uh, Gordimer Gibbons is another great one. Um, mm-hmm. Back from my generation, um, I really loved The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Um, and yeah. that's an old, old Nickelodeon show. Yeah. I think one thing that I that I noticed in Elena it, that I that I like and I would like to see more of is that it's not just a minority character in the lead role. And then that's it. Um, mm-hmm. A lot the the people in the background are super diverse, and I think that's really important. Um, so my dream show would have that as well. For sure. Okay. That makes do you sense. think like you mentioned androids, for example? Do you think that we might start getting away from princesses? I don't want to take anything away from Elena because I think it's awesome and a great step, and girls love them. Um, some boys too. Um, but do you think that? we might start seeing more opportunities for girls in shows. Yes, I hope so. And I think it's it's so tricky with the princess culture because you know, it's interesting what Disney has done. They've they've taken non-princesses and turned them into princesses. Yes. Oh, really? <laughs> who did they do that with? Mulan's not a princess. Uh, oh. <laughs> um, who else isn't a princess? Um I'm trying to think now. Wait, Pocahontas is Belle, isn't a princess, is but they are part of is, the princess is, crew. Is Belle so I think, considered I think princess? instead of, you know, making people not princesses is sort of redefining what a princess is. Yeah. I think that's kind of the best we're going to get at this point <laughs> um, because <laughs> it's, princess stuff is not, it's not going anywhere. Although that brings up again the Doc McStuffins, like part of what makes that so revolutionary. And early in the podcast, we're talking about um, Snowy Day. Very similar thing of here's a character w- who's doing her own thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that yeah, I sense. think that you know, Disney took a great chance on making this character of Elena, but I think that to make her not a princess would have been one step too far. And then that, you know, wasn't, they weren't quite ready for that. <laughs> the yeah, marketing actually, people wouldn't know what to do with that. Yeah, yes. they actually oh my probably, goodness. They probably would have faced some criticism for that, probably. For not making her a princess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, there probably would have been pushback that you've made this first Latina character as a lead character and then you didn't make her a princess so yeah, right um, like what she's not good enough to be a right princess. right exactly <laughs> um so that would have been um yeah that would have been tough but you might be right Polly that maybe by 
making a character who doesn't fit the stereotype of a princess, f- putting them under the princess mold, redefines what a princess is. Um, right. That is an in- interesting take. Um, so, yeah, I think um, I was going to ask you, did you, is there like anything about Elena, like if Elena wasn't a princess, what could the story, like, is it absolutely essential that she is a princess in order to, it sounds like it is, right? Because this idea that she has to become a queen is, is sort yeah, of the focus. Yeah, it's, okay. I mean... One thing that I find interesting about the show is that she's a princess, um, mm-hmm. but she has been forced to choose this board of advisors oh. to help her on her journey to becoming queen. And okay. so a lot of times the show is set around this big table, and it's sort of like a boardroom. Um, and the people that are on her team are both of her grandparents, a friend that she has met um, from the town, and her cousin who she doesn't necessarily like, but who is very, very knowledgeable. Um, And I think the fact that she got the power to choose her own advisors, but yet gets to listen to their advice is something that I've definitely never seen in a, in a Disney cartoon or anything for a princess. So that's cool. It's a fine lesson for all of us right now. (laughs) Choose your advisors, listen to your advisors. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's interesting to me because I'm, as I'm hearing you talking about this, we don't see grandparents a lot. Right. And I think that I was speaking to um, uh, Maria Alvarez, who's a director of Latino content here, and she told me that for her family, it was really exciting and important to see the grandparents because that's a big part of Latino culture is having grandparents still in the picture and still mm-hmm. on the scene in your house. Um, and, you know, it also sort of goes along with the Disney classic. There can be, kids are always orphaned. There's no parents. Um, right. but this is a nice twist on it. Um, I don't know if you've seen the show, uh, Nina's world on Sprout. Um, but there's also a main grandmother character. Um, and in the show, the grandma is sort of a connection to, uh, the family roots, the Latino roots. And she tells, uh, the character Nina a lot about who she is and her family um, so that's where the grandparents came from and I'm I think that's a really cool thing that yeah that is really cool it's it's a different um, it's a different take on the on the family I didn't realize that I actually was going to ask you not to like get a plot summary but I was like so she doesn't have a mom or like her is her mom mm-hmm. already the queen they, okay. they- I think um, they die in a, like the briefest one second scene in the very I beginning see. of the show. Um, okay. Spoiler alert. Okay. That's <laughs> well, it's the first. You've seen, if you've ever seen a Disney movie, you know it's right, bound to happen. Right. That's true. I actually have realized that as I've been like recounting stories of Disney to my son, um, we're going mm-hmm. to Disney World in December, so. I don't have any of the the Disney movies, so I've just been telling him the stories. And I was like, "Wow!" And then you know, who whoever in like The Lion King, the father dies, and I was like, "Oh, right! Like that happens a lot. The, yeah. <laughs> the parent keeps dying." Um, this uh, this has been very interesting. I I actually have a list of shows now that I need to uh, that I need to check out. Um, cool. So I I, I think the um, it sounds like from your from your perspective the couple episodes you've seen um elena makes a lot of sense there's themes of sort of 
um, friendship and sort of uh, of growing up and and those apply but there's a clear sense of bringing in um, sort of the culture whether it's the architecture or um, you know the um, the culture of the um, of the 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 Latin feel to it which which is great great to hear um, and you would recommend everyone to check it out yes I would and I think it's it's just as important for uh, people who don't have a Latino background to watch this show. Um, uh, according to child development, it's really important to um, positively represent the diversity in the age group that the show is targeting. Um, for both people who are of that race or ethnicity and people who aren't. Um, and I think that this show is... is delightful it's a disney quality um show and i i liked watching it um and i think that it's a it's a really positive step towards more more of the same absolutely well well said yeah i think i think you're absolutely right everyone should should check it out but polly conway thank you so much for uh for your time thank you so much for having me